0: Tonight I'm going to be in Genesis 37, and um, you know, I've read that it takes 10,000 hours to get good at something. I don't think I'm anywhere near that yet, so let's take a moment and pray. Uh, Thank you, God, for the uh, opportunity uh, for me to speak your word and for it to be heard here by our church. I pray that you would clear my mind so that um, I can present... Uh, your word in in a clear fashion that it can be received by the people and pray that you'd fill us with your spirit in jesus name we pray amen okay last time i was here uh, we did a genealogy Uh, fortunately that genealogy was only one chapter long and uh, we're going to begin with one of my favorite stories in scripture that is the story of joseph It's going to be the first part of that story, and it's in Genesis 37. So those of you who'd like to turn to it, I'll give you a moment. And starting at the beginning, now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger, in the land of Canaan. This is the history of Jacob. Joseph being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers. The lad was with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report to his father. Okay, and let's pause there. So what do we know so far? Both from the beginning of this chapter and from the story up to this point of Jacob and now Joseph. We know that Jacob was, is a wealthy man. Um, from his time with living with Laban, he acquired um, a lot of livestock. Um, also, his father Isaac was still alive, but it's, it's conceivable that Jacob was responsible for his household at this time. And Jacob was his heir at, at this time because um, uh, his brother Esau sold it to him for dinner. <laughs> Earlier in Scripture, he and his family were still what we call resident aliens in Canaan. They, they were a cup. He may have owned a small piece of land or two, but that was about it. Um, and Esau was already establishing a nation of his own, uh, Edom. And as I would mentioned before, they had a lot of livestock. And when you have a lot of livestock, you can't just keep them in one place. You have to move them around. And that's going to be a point in this chapter today, you'll see. And we know that um, Joseph reported back to his father about the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah. And I, I had to make notes here about who those sons were because I get confused. I know that Leah had Reuben and Simeon and Levi and Judah. And then, I I don't remember who has who, so um, Bilhah, that was Rachel's maid, uh, had Dan and Naphtali, and Zilpah had Gad and Asher, so it's those four. He was with those four, and um, he delivered back a bad report. Now, in my mind, when I was a child, I thought, okay, they're all shepherds, and um, yes and no. They had a lot of flocks, so they had a lot of under shepherds. Um, this acted like a business, if you will, where Jacob was running it, and you had the sons of Leah, the sons of Bilhah, the sons of Zilpah, and Benjamin was not here because he was he was very young. And uh, they would they may shepherd themselves, but they also managed the under shepherds. They they chose where the flocks went, they coordinated them, they made sure that. Um, They went out in the morning, came back to a safe area at night. Uh, There was a lot of work that had to be done, especially if you're going out in the field and you're going to go to a different place geographically, as we will see. And uh, Joseph was reporting on them, not because he was a tattletale, but because that was his job. You could see that that Joseph is right in between Jacob and his brothers. And there's a reason for that. It's because, uh, as we'll see... Um, Joseph had become the heir apparent and uh, he was being groomed and trained for leadership. And I'm going to continue with uh, verse 3. It says, Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. Also, he made him a tunic of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Um, I've read a bit about uh, color in the ancient world, and I've actually seen a little bit on the History Channel, believe it or not. Now you can just go to any store and you can see all manner of bright colors, but back then you couldn't do that because color that was bright, color that was consistent, color that lasted a long time in fabric, came from only certain sources, and they learned from trial and error. It could be shellfish, it could be a certain kind of plant. Um, but color was expensive. And to, to have a garment with color, you had to have some wealth. And um, Jacob did. But he didn't get one for every of his, one of his sons. He only gave one to Joseph. And that was significant, because it was another way of him identifying Joseph as the heir apparent. And none of his brothers liked it. Uh, the children of Leah didn't like it. And, and uh, the uh, sons of Bilhah and Zilpah came to not like it because, um, well, he was cramping their style. <laughs> and, uh, of course, we've seen a lot of colorful coats. Oh, well, you know what? Before I get to the coats, I, I thought it would be good just to take a look at the children of Jacob to get an idea um, of who had who in the list. You'll see the children of Bilhah and Zilpah and then Rachel, and then the long list of children from Leah. And the number in front of each name is the birth order. Um, I found that there was some disagreement as to was Judah born before Dan, so I kind of put them 4 slash 5. And then the number after the name is the age. And it, there was actually a range. Biblical scholars don't agree on what the age was at this time. There was a range. It could have been anywhere from from Reuben, would have been 24 to 44. And I, I read about this, and I leaned towards the 44, and I have a couple of reasons why. One is that... Um, Reuben had previously attempted, and this is chapter 35, he had attempted uh, to take over the family, and back then, one way you did that was to acquire the, the, the women of whoever it was you were taking over. And that's what he did, and it didn't work. Um, for whatever reason, maybe his brothers didn't back him up. But, um, and I'm sure that Dan and Naphtali weren't very happy about it. Uh, but It failed. And um, not only did it fail, but it also uh, meant that he was no longer the heir. So then you drop down to Simeon and Levi. Well, back in chapter 34, they were the ones who led um, the attack on the village of Chesham. That was when their sister Dinah was raped by the prince there and wanted to marry her, and they, they got all the men to get circumcised. Ouch. And uh, as they were recovering, um, Simeon and Levi grabbed their swords and started hacking away, and the brothers eventually joined in on this. Um, And uh, Jacob was not happy about that. I think that removed them as heirs, too. If you could say that there was an heir apparent, it wouldn't have been Dan, because I think uh, sons of the secondary wives... Uh, weren 't going to inherit anything um, and that 's the sense I got from the uh, doing the research on this too and It would have left Judah actually and and that 'll come up later too, maybe not tonight, but it will come up. Um, now the coat of many colors we see a lot of different coats these days, right hey everybody 's got a coat. Even Lego has a coat. And I understand that there's a show, I've never seen it, devoted to this. Has anyone seen Joseph and the amazing Technicolor Dream Coat? Was it good? Yeah. Okay, well, maybe I should see it. Oops, going ahead of myself. Okay, we're going to. Um, I just wanted to point out that his brothers by this time hated him, hated him and didn't have anything nice to say. And, and that had to have been um, a very tense environment. Um, chapter 5, So Now Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. So he said to them, Please hear this dream which I have dreamed. There we were, binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright, and indeed, your sheaves stood all around and bowed to my sheaf. And his brothers said to him, "Shall you indeed reign over us, or shall you indeed have dominion over us?" And so they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Then he dreamed still another dream, and he told it to his brothers and said, "Look, I have dreamed another dream, and this time the sun, the moon." And the eleven stars bowed down to me. So he told it to his father and his brothers. And his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? And his brothers envied him, but his father kept the matter in mind. So Joseph tells the brothers he's got a dream. They don't respond well. He decides the best thing to do is to keep going. And he did. And then has another dream, decides to share it with everyone. And he didn't come to, He didn't come and say, hey, Dad, Dad, I had this dream. I want to talk to you about it, because you had dreams. I remember you told me. Yeah, it's the sun and the moon and 11 stars bowing down to me. I don't understand it, Dad, or I think I do understand it, but it makes me uncomfortable. He didn't come to his family in humility. He, and, and they responded. Well, his father responded appropriately, and his brothers responded the way that they responded, which was not well. You know, there are only 21 dreams in the Bible. I thought that there were more dreams. Did anyone think that there were more dreams than 21? Yeah, only 21 Um, I saw this infographic of all the dreams in the Bible, and I was surprised. And it turns out Jacob had two of them. And and this was covered before in Genesis, uh, Jacob's ladder with the angels ascending and descending. And that was in Genesis 28. And then when God came and told Jacob to go home when he was with Laban, and that was in Genesis 31. So Jacob knows something about dreams. And Joseph had his two dreams both with significance, neither one difficult to interpret, certainly not by Joseph, and certainly not by the rest of his family. So, do you think there was anything in Joseph that God needed to work on? I mean, we can tell so far that he was smart, he was capable, could be honest, obedient, probably had a lot of good qualities, but what about this quality? <laughs> he, he seemed to have no problem being the chosen one. He seemed to have no problem um, explaining his dreams and being happy about it despite what he knew his brothers um, were feeling at that moment. And he just kept going with it. Um, and this is something that God needed to work on, and he, he did. But let's move on. Then his brothers went to feed their father's flock in Shechem, And Israel said to Joseph, Are not your brothers feeding the flock in Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. So he said to him, Here I am. Then he said to him, Please go and see if it is well with your brothers and well with the flocks, and bring bring word back to me. So he sent him out of the valley of Hebron, and he went to Sheshem. Now a certain man found him, and there he was wandering the field. And the man asked him, saying, What are you seeking? So he said, I am seeking my brothers. Please tell me where they are feeding their flocks. And the man said, They have departed from here. I have heard them say, Let us go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them in Dothan. So Joseph was 17 years old, I guess old enough to take a trip, apparently by himself, and apparently he knew where to go because he'd been there before, I'm sure. And you can see again that his father was sending him to go check up and report. Now, why would he be doing that? Because if he sent Joseph, then he wouldn't have to do it. Plus, he's training Joseph to take over. That's my opinion, by the way. That's my opinion, but um, I think it fits in with um, what I know about training and, um, and what, I kn- what I'm learning about age. <laughs> and uh, here's the route. You can see Hebron at the bottom, and then they're going north, past Bethel to Chesham, and then up to Dothan. And then the rest of it we'll get to later. Okay, now, picking up with um, 18. Now, when they saw him afar off, even before he came near them, they conspired against him to kill him. And they said one to another, Look, at this, look this dreamer is coming. Come, therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into some pit. And we shall say, Some wild beast has devoured him. We shall see what becomes of his dreams. But Reuben heard it, and he delivered him out of their hands, and he said, Let us not kill him. And Reuben said to them, Shed no blood, but cast him into the pit which is in the wilderness, and do not lay a hand on him, that he might deliver him out of their hands and bring him back to his father. So they plotted to kill him. And, you know, it'd be one thing if I had brothers who wanted by the way, I do have brothers, Um, if I had brothers who wanted to kill me, and, and perhaps my brothers felt like they wanted to kill me at some point, but I have brothers who have not killed people, and Joseph did. So when they say, let's kill him, it's different. I have to wrap my mind around that, you know, there have been times I didn't get along with my brothers, and they didn't. But killing, really? But you know, in history, it's happened over and over again um, for a variety of reasons. Sometimes it's money. uh, Sometimes it's other reasons. Um, And here it was, they didn't like the idea that he was going to be taking over, and they didn't like what they perceived to be his attitude. So, and Reuben. I'm not sure of his motivation. I think it's, at least in part, good. I don't think he he genuinely genuinely did not want to see Joseph killed. I do wonder if possibly that he was going to save him to somehow curry favor with his father, try to get back in his good graces, try to get back to being the heir. It's possible. It's hard to say. Um, And we'll continue in 23. So it came to pass... When Joseph came to his brothers, that they stripped Joseph of his tunic, the tunic of many colors that was on him, and they took him and cast him into a pit. And the pit was empty, and there was no water in it. And then they sat down to eat a meal. And I'll stop there and continue with uh, verse 25. It seems like it goes together. Uh, The pit was probably a pit to catch water. And this is a season when it didn't have water. and like, So it's good that he didn't get tossed in there and drown, right? Um, I'm just surprised at the callousness of his own brothers um, tossing him into the pit and then going and having dinner. And apparently Reuben wasn't there at the time. He must have left. He was planning to come back. Um, and we'll see that... Um, he missed his opportunity um, i still can't get over the meal part you know when we see movies sometimes you see oh the kidnappers kidnap some somebody that they don't even know and then they they tie him up and then they have dinner or they put him into a room or lock him in somewhere and they have dinner i, I can understand that these are brothers it, it's it's pretty awful Anyway, they sat down to a meal, then they lifted their eyes and looked, there was a company of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels bearing spices, balm, myrrh, on their way to carry them down to Egypt. So Judah said to his brothers, "'What profit is there if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh.'" And his brothers listened. The Midianite traders passed by, so his brothers pulled Joseph up and lifted him him out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. And they took Joseph to Egypt. So Judah has a solution to the problem. And um, in a way, it's good because he doesn't know what Reuben's thinking, he thinks, okay, we're not going to kill our brother and we're going to make, maybe make some money at the same time. Um, I guess it's good in a backhanded way. And we'll learn more about the character of Judah in the next chapter. So, but for now, we'll press on. Then Reuben returned to the pit and indeed Joseph was not in the pit and he tore his clothes. And he returned to his brothers and said, The lad is no more, and I, where shall I go? So they took Joseph's tunic, killed a kid of the goats, and dipped the tunic in the blood. Then they sent the tunic of many colors and brought it to their father and said, We have found this. Do you know if it's your son's tunic or not? And he recognized it, and he said, It is my son's tunic. A wild beast has devoured him. Without a doubt, Joseph is torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put sackcloth on his waist, and mourned his son for many days. And all his sons and all his daughters arose to comfort him. But he refused to be comforted. And he said, For I shall go down into the grave to my son in mourning. Thus his father wept for him. And now the Midianites sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of the Pharaoh and a captain of the guard, so Reuben actually felt responsible. He comes back, sees he 's gone. Um, I guess they probably told him what happened at some point. it's not, not written here, but he feels responsible. Um, so I guess in, in, you know mostly maybe he did want to save him um, and then, I, don't, I, I have children, I've not lost any, but it, it's gotta be a terrible thing, terrible thing. And it ripped Joseph's heart out. Um, I'd like to actually segue from this into a little bit about slavery because it does come up in, in United States history and, and it's an issue in scripture. Uh, slavery existed in the ancient lands, in, in most, if not all, the countries. Um, it's also existed in our country. And uh, during the Civil War, there were Christians on both sides. And they both tried to justify their positions using scripture. But I wanted to share with you a couple of scriptures that show that the kind of slavery that we had in our country um, was in no way Um, in agreement with Scripture. In Exodus 21.16, it says, He who kidnaps a man and sells him, or if he's found in his hand, he shall surely be put to death. In Deuteronomy 24.7, If a man is found kidnapping any of his brethren of the children of Israel and mistreats him or sells him, then that kidnapper shall die. You shall put away the evil from among you. Um, The idea here is that... uh, Slavery through abduction uh, was not to be done. And that was what our system of slavery in the United States was built on. It was built on abducting people. They would send raiders in. They'd abduct people, bring them out, sell them, cram them on a boat, and send them here. So it's good to know. You might even talk to somebody who might suggest that, um, that Christianity is okay with slavery, um, slavery is a complicated issue because of how prevalent it was back then, but the, 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 the way we practiced it had um, no support in Scripture at all. Anyway, um, at this point, the world that Joseph knew was gone. Okay? He went from being the chosen one, um, the heir apparent, the person being groomed for leadership, uh, regardless of what his brothers thought, to a slave in a country where he didn't know the language, and to a people who were strange to him. He may not have even met an Egyptian. And he was a slave. We'll see how God uses this and other events in Joseph's life to shape him. But I wanted to begin here by saying, you know, there are people who are here, listening, or people who may listen to this um, online. Um, God uses situations and events and hardship to shape us. And we know bad things can happen to everybody. It even says that in scripture. And we also know that the stories of people who have overcome, and they grow, and they change, and, and they're not Christians. So God's within us as human beings. God's given that potential to us too. But over and above that, um, He's given us more. Now Joseph only had the stories of God and the goodness of uh, of God that his father Jacob told him. And maybe Joseph did teach jo- uh, Jacob did teach Joseph the lessons that his brothers were never taught. And that's what he had. He didn't have a Bible. He only had what he knew of God from his father. But it turned out that was going to be enough. We have more than that. We even have in Romans 8.28, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. You know, I can see that in my own life. Uh, I'll begin a story from my life that I'll end later. I'll continue parallel to this story of Joseph. Um, I am a a child of divorce my parents divorced when I was 10 and then later on they subsequently remarried Um, so I grew up mostly with my mother and and stepfather but then I did as a young adult spend five years with my father and stepmother stepmother at the time and um, I even helped raise my sister during that time as well. And then I went myself through a divorce in the mid-90s. And um, it was a crushing experience for me. But I later found that God had used everything he'd brought me through in a special way. And it enabled me to do and be, to be the kind of person that i I don't know that I would have been if I hadn't been through all that. And um, I'll speak more of that as we continue in the story of Joseph. But it's a story that already has really um, a a happy ending. But God brought me through it. So if you're in the middle of something, God's bringing you through it too. Um, The Bible has many stories in it where God brought people and then used them at particular times. He's doing that with Joseph, but he also does that today. And if you're listening to this, either here or online, and and, um, you don't know God, well, uh, you can talk to me, you can talk to um, Pastor Joe, Uh, Pastor Paul was playing the guitar, John was playing the drums, talk to one of us. If you're listening online, um, you can go to cccrossfields.org and uh, on our webpage is the gospel because um, Romans 8.28 applies to uh, people who know God through Christ. Um, And um, God's been faithful, he will continue to be faithful. Um, So. Okay, let's take a moment and pray. Dear God, we just pray today that um, as we learn the story of Joseph, we also learn that um, regardless of what happens to us, that you are faithful. And and we don't always understand why. We may never understand why things happen. And it might be that some people may say, well, it happened for this reason or that reason or it happened because you did something wrong. And and maybe that's true, but maybe it isn't. Some people are struggling. We just pray, Lord, that people here tonight might hold on to your word, might believe your word, and that the promise that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose, that that promise is for us. Help us to persevere in faith for the people who are struggling in our church in our families us as individuals we just pray that you would comfort with your spirit and remind us in your word of the many promises you've made and of the different stories of where you have delivered people that we may take heart and we may press on, and we may not give up. We're thankful, Lord, that you don't give up on us. We just pray that this week that you would strengthen our faith and increase our understanding. May we be people more and more of grace and peace and forgiveness. And We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.